This week, the Down and Nerdy Podcast is brought to you by Claritin D. And shout out to the folks at Claritin who not just sponsored the show, but also provided some samples as well. Tis the season to breathe pollen. Yeah, I've been spending a lot more time outside. Yeah, I can tell those allergies are definitely acting up. I feel stuffy. I feel sluggish. The eyes are starting to water a little bit more. That's why I'm turning to Claritin D. Look, it's definitely helped me relieve my symptoms. It seems to work really, really fast for me as well. It's designed for serious allergy sufferers. Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongestion in your nose so you can breathe better. And hey, I'm noticing a lot of that right now. As a matter of fact, I'm looking forward to be able to enjoy much more outdoor time this spring and summer. A lot of that has to do with Claritin D. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world. That ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Spanning the nerd world and feeding your fandom, it's time for the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Here's your host, James Witham. Best of times with family and friends. It's episode 398 of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. I'm James Witham. I decided to do something a little bit different this week with the holiday season in mind. We're getting ready to gather with our families and there's a lot of pressures there and just, you know, trying to figure out who you are this time of year. There was a cool new show on Amazon Prime Video called With Love and it actually takes place during different holidays with a very, very crazy family and friends dynamic. So I wanted to get a chance to talk to the cast and the creator of that series and bring you something a little bit different this week. So we'll be talking to the creator of the series, Gloria Calderon-Colette, and members of the cast like Emerald Tobia, Rome Flynn, Desmond Chiam, Vincent Rodriguez III, and so many more. It's just a fun holiday show and something that you might want to check out. This time of year. Speaking of shows, they wrapped up the Armageddon Flash event this week. I'll talk about that. We'll do a review of that. Spoiler filled since it's already happened. Some interesting nerd news to talk about. No Spider-Man No Way Home spoilers. Don't worry about that. But first, how about we get into those interviews with the cast and creator of With Love from Prime Video. That's next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This is Brittany Ishibashi from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Out of the Shadows, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. How about we spend a little time this holiday with the Diaz family, and through a lot of holidays as well, With Love is now streaming on Prime Video with some very, very interesting family members and very interesting holiday happenings. It's just a fun show. There's a lot of great social commentary there. I wanted to go ahead and bring you this because it's just one of those shows they can really, really make you smile and really, really a fun time. So I figured why not start off with the creator of the series, Gloria calderon Kellett, and find out what she had to say about this fun show. All right, Gloria, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? So, so good. So the thing that I love the most about this series is this fun group that you've brought together. What's your favorite thing 
about the Diaz family? Oh my gosh, they love big. They love big. They love each other. I mean, the show is called With Love and it is not just about romantic love. It's about platonic love, about love of parents and kids, love of siblings. All of that is enveloped in the show and it, it's joyful to be able to put that out this time of year. So speaking of family, you also get to bring the free spirit that is Gladys to life <laughs> on this show. That was my first impression of her anyway. How would you describe her? Gladys is living on her own terms. She's, I think she's very brave. You know, her sister did the traditional route and got married and had kids and Gladys decided that was not for her. And she just loves these, loves her nieces and nephews so much, loves her sister so much, loves her parents and the family business, but has not uh, given into the, the norms and is probably the happiest person on the show. <laughs> At the same time, you, you kind of address the norms and the not norms on the show. And I think part a big part of that is, is Lily's. I mean, if I find, I feel like if I, if I find myself rooting for anybody on the show, it is Lily. So tease for us a little bit. How complicated are things in her world, really? I think they're really complicated. I think she's grown up uh, with Instagram, too, which is something my generation didn't have to do. She's, you know, uh, a makeup artist and everything in her life is about being beautiful and being per perfect. And she had this like perfect on paper guy that was gorgeous, but they didn't have a lot of there there in their relationship. And because she has her parents and grandparents as role models, there was a part of her that knew she didn't have that spark and she wants that spark. And what does that look like for each person to find that special thing? So I think Lily is really uh, going through it over the course of the year, really in it in trying to find her purpose, to find love, to find success. And that's what we're watching. You are right about that. So Gloria, setting this series during several different holidays was so much fun to experience. Do you feel like this kind of helps us not just learn about holiday traditions that not everybody not, might not know about, but also how real family is during the holidays? Yeah, I think that uh, kind of gloves come off during the holidays, right? There's always some sort of family drama because it's such a heightened day. Those days are so heightened. So it was great to set them in these situations that are already super heightened. Meeting the boy, meet, bringing the boyfriend home for the first time, that's a heightened moment. And it's the holidays and, you know, different uncles and aunts are there and one uncle is drunk and one uncle is doing this and you're navigating so much. And then, like you said, being able to also share some of our traditions. I've never seen the New Year's traditions shown on TV. Mm -mm. The uvas, the, the walking with the suitcase, all of those things I think are going to be really new for audiences and hopefully something that people look into and think is really fun and that they want to incorporate into their own uh, holiday season. Well, we're looking forward to it on December the 17th. Gloria, stay dry. We'll see the show. We'll love it. Have a good one. <laughs> Thank you. You too. One of the things that makes With Love such a great show is Emrod Tobia and Lily Diaz. She just springs this series to life. So I get a chance to talk to her and Rome Flynn and Desmond Chum. And there's a reason that this these three were paired up together. Let's talk to them about that. All right, guys. So, I mean, this is quite the uh, triangle that you guys have going on here. How much fun did you all have with the series, especially playing out over several different holidays, which I think is really fun. How fun is that? Has, I don't think there's ever been a series that plays out different holidays, which is really fun. But I mean, I got to play with these uh, gentlemen over here, which was not too shabby. It, it was fun. You know, it was fun being on set. It was fun playing. It was fun enjoying every holiday. It's like the, the the energy I think of the show reflects to what happens behind the scenes. And it just always felt like a, like a holiday on set. So it was just really nice. Um, the ambiance was just really nice. I fully bought into the settings and everything like the decorations. Our art team is 
killing it as set design team, like crushed it and like coming in, being in all the trappings of like Christmas or like whichever holiday it was, was it just felt so magical. And then you have the cast coming in and working with like Emerald and I didn't get to do anything with Rome, but hey, season two. But like having this little triangle, like how often does a love triangle look like this as well? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's 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 pretty cool and I love that. Yeah, no, it was super, super fun. It's, everyone is so ready on this cast. You know what I mean? And so giving and so open. It was a blast. Yeah, I'm just going to reiterate everything they said because I agree. Uh, it, it, <laughs> you know, we, we have these holidays that we're covering, but what I said earlier, I feel like it's unique that the, the storylines aren't necessarily about the holidays, but we're, it's just holiday time. And so it's it's a holiday romantic comedy, but you, you still have enough there that people care about these characters uh, in a way that you really hope the best for them. And I think a lot of holiday movies and shows, you, you don't really have that character development enough. And it's a lot more about situational, like as far as it's Christmas or whatever it is about what's happening in those holidays. But yeah, I, I think people are going to love it. You know, it's, it's everything you need. I totally agree. So I feel like Nick has a little bit of an unfair advantage in this whole thing because he's known Lily longer. He's known the family longer. Do you guys think <laughs> right. that, is that true? Or could that actually work against him too? Because it certainly could. Well, I mean, you know, you never know what you have right until it's gone. So I think real, sometimes, you know, I think that's really, really, really important. Maybe Lily has had her, her yeah. love along, all along this whole time. <laughs> he already knows because he's been there, so. If it ain't worked out, oh, okay. you know what I mean? Hey. Oh, there you go, there you, you know, go. You know what? I think, uh, I think you know, he might have just been, you know, trying to, trying to like grow uh, whole hair. Hey, stayed too long. That's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> too familiar, too familiar. And then, you know, you learn from the mistakes and all that other stuff. There's just a whole lot going on there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's fun. It's a fun, it's a fun, crazy, like, heady, just joyful buzz. Like... <laughs> And you, and you guys will see just how fun it is on December the 17th with love. That's when you'll see it on Amazon oh, yeah. Prime Video. Emerald, Desmond, Rome, thank you guys so much for, for taking the time. I appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, thank, you. thank you. Thank you, James. Thanks, guys. Loved, loved all your characters. And Rome, that's a, that's a mean right hook, bro. I'm just, I'm just going to say that. <laughs> no, I'm hey, just work on that. <laughs> righteous right hook. I'm just saying, somebody's going to get knocked out. You'll, you'll find out when you watch the show for yourself. But we can't talk about the Diaz family without talking about the parents, and that is Jorge and Beatriz, played by Benito Martinez and Constance Marie. But this is not your typical portrayal of parents in situations like this. Hear what I had to say about that with them. Hey, Constance and Benito, how are you guys doing? Very well, sir. How are you? Very well, very well. One of the things I really love about this show is how it doesn't just focus on the kids. There's also a big focus on Beatrice and Jorge as well. How would you describe the relationship early early on in the series and how refreshing was it to see that as you were going on? Well, as a woman of a certain age, I was very happy to see us and our sexuality and our love celebrated, but also the complex nature of what it's like to be a mother and a romantic partner at the same time and do simultaneously and do them all. Um, it's not something that we've ever seen. Usually it's like there's a drama or a cheating or a, something really bad happens. And um, it was really refreshing to see, especially being Latin and having that relationship, that long-term relationship celebrated and be iconic and still flawed. It, 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 was, it was really, really refreshing to do that. And to have Benito as a partner was was amazing and we go on this very very i mean i can't spoil 
things, but we go on this uh, real journey and it's not just about the kids, you know, and we've got some sexiness in there as well and, and some fun and, you know, the weight of what it is to have a long-term connected relationship and how important that is, not to each not only to each other, but to the whole family. It was wonderful to explore that. Now, for the both of you, we, we see that they have a lot to focus on. I mean, there's their business, there's their kids. It's kind of easy to see how it would be, be hard from the fine time to focus on each other. So do you feel like that makes their story even more relatable and true to life as well? I think that's uh, the truth that it's grounded in, yeah, that they're working people. They're, they're people who have commitments, responsibilities. And sometimes in relationships, those other things take precedence and it makes you tired and you don't pay the appropriate attention to your partner. And I think that, that shows up in the show. What I do like as well is that we get to be vulnerable in our pain as well as angry. We're both angry at each other and we're both hurt with each other and we're both vulnerable. And then we both try to fix it, which is brilliant writing because the relationship is based in honesty and love. And, and when you make these, when you have these bumps and you have these roadblocks, you either got to go through it or you, or you go the other way. And, and going through it's the messy part, but it's the part that makes the relationships last over time. And I think she's done, she did a great job, Gloria, in, in making that, uh, not only making that journey, but showing how it affected our family. Our kids were confused by it, by us not being perfect. And I think that that was also wonderful because you go, wait a minute, I, I have all this stress to be a perfect partner because you guys are. And, and that echoes with, with our daughter later on, but also with my son in the beginning with me. He's like, you know, this is how I learned to be a partner. So there's an element of, we don't want them to see our mistakes and our cracks, but we need to figure out how to work it or, or do something else. So yeah, that journey is fun. And it's great, it's great father as a, for a performer, for an actor to get into. And, and, and then, you know, I have to work with her. It's just like so <laughs> professional and so wonderful and so gorgeous. And so, I, I mean, I can go on, but yeah, so. No yeah. doubt about it. <laughs> And ditto is a perfect way to say it. I think it really is. And you guys will see it all play out with Love premieres December the 17th on Amazon Prime Video. The wonderful Benito and Constance. Thank you so much, both of you, for taking the time. I appreciate it. Thank you. Our pleasure. Thank you very much. You want to talk about having chemistry on screen? That is Isis King and Todd Grinnell, who are Sol Delgado and Dr. Miles Murphy, respectively, but there's something that's kind of uh, throwing a monkey wrench in their plans. And uh, let's talk to them about that. Hi, Jay. Hey, Isis, Todd, how are you guys doing? Good, how are you? We're good. Doing very good, doing very good. So with love, a lot of fun. The second you see Saul and Miles together, I think you can feel that instant spark between the two of them. So how were you all able to capture such a strong chemistry like that? so early on in the series. So beforehand, Gloria Gloria and Todd worked on their last series together. So Gloria said, uh, you know, I cast a Todd for your love interest. Is it okay if I give him your number so you guys can talk beforehand? Because the chemistry, you know, the episodes go so quick, so you can't really afford to like be awkward. You know, after episode one, it's like, you know, it moves pretty quickly. So we talked for about an hour. We really talked about so many different things. We really bonded and we, we built that camaraderie right away. And then once we got on set, we were already like making jokes and so comfortable with each other. And I think it was really important to kind of build this this chemistry and this connection between for a team smile. 
we're really working that hashtag. Oh, hashtag yeah. Yeah. Smile. <laughs> yeah. And I'll say Gloria is really brilliant in her casting and, and, you know, she knew before we knew that, that we would have chemistry, but I think, and I think she also knew that we would be kindred spirits and we, and we are, you know, we're both like, we're both pretty goofy and like to have fun and we, we just have a similar spirit. And so it's very easy to just get on set and play together. And I mean, ISIS is like, who, who's not going to have chemistry with ISIS? I, I get it. It's not hard. I, I understand that. I totally get it. But <laughs> what is hard is that both your characters work in the medical field. So I mean, not exactly a regular nine to five. Could we see that make things difficult for them, especially early on in the relationship, you think? Ooh, James, I can tell you uh -huh. watched a few episodes. <laughs> um, it, number one, it's nice to see a trans character have love or potentially have love, but also to see a trans character in this really in-demand field. Uh, Soul is an oncologist, Miles is a plastic surgeon. So, you know, when you work in that, that field and, and you try to also find love, you never know if you might get buzzed to come into work or, or what's going on. And, you may or may not see that play out. <laughs> and like most relationships, it's not so much about the obstacle. It's about the solution. The solution's the fun part. So yes. watch for that. Oh, boy, is that 100% true. And you guys will see that play out with love on December the 17th, Amazon Prime Video. Todd, Isis, thank you both so much for taking the time. I appreciate you. Thank you, we appreciate you, James. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, so thank you much. everyone. And finally, let's wrap things up with Vincent Rodriguez III, who plays Henry. Well, he's actually known by more than just Henry on the show, and you'll find out why when you see it. Let's see how much he'll tease about what he's got going up this season. James, nice to meet you, man. Vinny, what's up, man? How you doing? Dude, I'm doing all right, dude. I'm thanks for thanks for having me on and talking about this awesome new show that I I can't wait to talk about. I'm so excited. Yeah, man, no doubt. I mean, my actually my first laugh out loud moment of the show actually involved Henry and Lily. I don't want to spoil anything, of course, yeah, but yeah, how yeah, don't, fun. Yeah. How fun was that scene, though, and just that first episode in general? That was the first scene we shot. So what James really? is referring oh, to, even yes, <laughs> it was a Friday. Yeah, it was a Friday night, and we were. I mean, it was just me, Lily, played by Emerald, and uh, Santiago's uh, Santiago, um, played by Rome. I mean, it was it was so fun because it was it was the first day, so it was like first day of school jitters, you know, working with Gloria Calderon Kellett, our creator, our showrunner. She worked very closely with our with, with our directors throughout every. Uh, every single one of the five episodes that releases on December 17th. She like, it was really magical and really kind of fun to, to, to play this scene that like, it's just when you meet people, it, it just goes to show like when you meet people, there's just always more to learn. And there's always a little mystery behind people when you first meet them. And also like around the holidays, magic can happen. And I think that's a beautiful sentiment that actually Lily talks about throughout the series. Like she's looking for love, you know, we're following her, we're following her brother, Jorge, Junior, uh, played by Marco Delicato, um, and I and I have the pleasure of, of playing opposite Mark as his bisexual Filipino dream boat of a boyfriend. My not my words, Glory. I love that. The, I was just gonna just say I love the way you <laughs> threw that in there, and then hey, why who am I argue, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm like sure, sure. I mean, well, that's a huge part of it too. Like it does, it's not lost on me that I, I in real life I'm an openly gay Filipino man who who gets to play a, a bisexual Filipino character. And I get to have the responsibility, but also the the joy, the pride, and being a part of this story that just that, that celebrates these very real characters, like 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 the representation on our show 
is just beyond what I'm used to seeing on television, whether it's ethnic background or sexual preference. I mean, like the, the queer representation, trans, LGBTQ, it's it's there, man. And and the curiosity that kind of is birthed from, from that more so I think these days than in the past, but like we're really seeing more of the more gay LGBTQ storylines and, and trans storylines and and so with this show, like Gloria just took an opportunity to like, let's break some, let's break some television tropes and let's shine some light on these communities. And let's show that, let's show the world what like the parts of these people's lives that, that we haven't seen, because, you know, we're not gonna, we don't, we don't need to focus on the drama or the, or the action. Let's focus on the love and let's focus on the relationships and different kinds of love, platonic, familial, romantic, Let's focus on the differences. Let's focus on unconditional love. Let's focus on family and like tension and like light. And it's just a beautiful hodgepodge of all those things. So it's like this perfect kind of apple pie of love that you guys will get to enjoy on December on December 17th. I chose apple pie because like who doesn't love apple pie? Well, I mean, yeah, that was a perfect choice. I wasn't going to argue with <laughs> about that at all. No, no doubt about like, it. A la mode, maybe? Like, I don't know. Well, hey, why not? Why not? Make it a little extra special. Really quickly, really quickly, Vinny, of course, we've got the holidays that happen in this series yeah. as well. That can also bring a lot of stress into relationships, though. So would you say that's uh, true for Henry? Or maybe oh, my maybe? gosh. No, it's so true. I mean, our, our show, With Love, follows the Diaz family uh, and, and, and they're very, you know, and all their various relationships and love lives that, that kind of are connected to them. And, and every episode's a different holiday. And every holiday is like supercharged and with its own stigmas and wants and desires and letdowns and past histories like the valentine's day episode like we touch on a lot of things that come with valentine's day but we also you know cover like the first episode's noche buena and then it's new year's and we also cover like like i said like valentine's day and dia de los muertos and fourth of july and all these holidays and i i think it's 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 such a it's such a different interesting take to like see these people's lives framed in that way and so it, it, it's another particular prideful moment for us to like know that we're telling this very unique story and that it is very unique to the genre of holiday romantic comedy but we're really leaning into the representation and the authenticity of that and how like that's just kind of like what we need to see right now in the world and and because because like we need to to have that compassion it, it's taught you know we need to learn that and we you know we're all creatures of habit and like whatever we watch is like that's our reality and so i think gloria calderon killett did an amazing job of creating this reality and depicting these very authentic and just beautiful characters and kind of writing the show that I mean, birthed out of the pandemic and a response to the pandemic and how like we're all going through a lot of trauma and challenges right now. This show is a remedy. It's like getting chicken soup when you're having a cold or getting a hug when you feel lonely. Like that's what our show does for everyone. No matter what your background is, you will watch the show and you will find characters, you will find relationships, you will find moments, you'll find lines of dialogue that, that resonate with you. And to be a part of a show like that is a huge gift, especially right now. We've got apple pie. We've got chicken soup. We've got the whole meal coming to us on December 17th. And flan. And flan. There you go. And El Pastor. (laughs) We got a lot of Latino foods. 
<laughs> we got you, Latin community. We are all over it in this show. We brought the love. <laughs> Thank you, Vinny. Thank you so much for taking the time, man. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, James. And I'll admit, I was hesitant to jump in on this show, and then I thought the concept is really neat about going through different holidays and all the pressures that are involved in these different holidays and different pressures that come along with that. And I thought coming up with this time of year with Christmas coming up, I thought this was a good time to, to highlight that and talk about that. And, you know, maybe do something a little bit different this week. Plus, the show's fun. It's certainly relatable. I don't, I don't care what holiday you celebrate. There's something in here for you. And by the way, Brandon Routh is in this too, and I know how much you love him. So, so, and he plays a pretty interesting role coming up in this show. So make sure you're watching with love now streaming on Amazon prime video and celebrate a bunch of different holidays all at once before probably the biggest holiday of the year. Again, thanks to the cast and creator of with love from Amazon prime video for joining me this week up next. The Flash's big epic event has ended. We'll talk about the ending of Armageddon next on the down and nerdy podcast. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. This is Matt Lesher from The Flash and Legends of Tomorrow, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. After a reverse Flashpoint, where do we go from here? It is the fifth part of the Flash Armageddon crossover that has just concluded on the CW and this is going to be a spoiler filled review by the way because the episodes already aired like several days ago but I wanted to go back and talk about it especially this final episode because we saw what happened with Eobard Thawne we saw what happened with basically Barry gets the best of him as usual right no 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 really surprise there but here's the deal the, th- the surprising part was Okay, so they have an opportunity to let Thawne die, which I thought was a really interesting conundrum. It's like your worst villains asking you for help. The guy that's put you through hell your entire life, and you have a chance to be rid of him forever. So then you kind of find out where everybody feels, how everybody feels about Thawne. You see a darker side of Caitlyn. You see a darker side of Iris, albeit through Mia Queen. I mean, that's that's one thing that that you kind of find out that, you know, surprise me is kind of dark like her dad. But you, you see these darker sides come out. And then what I love about this final part and what I think I love the most was Joe bringing Joe back, because once Joe finds out that Barry and Iris want to let Thawne die and that speech he gives or I should say lecture because it really was a lecture. Right. He really took them to task. Basically saying, that's not what heroes do. He didn't do that when he was a cop. And heroes, every time they have a chance to save someone, they need to save them. And and obviously, you know, Barry's already figured out a way to do that. And that's where it kind of, I don't want to go through the whole episode, but I really, really thought that that speech in particular, that lecture, 
was really the Flash getting back to its family roots, right? Or getting back to the team's roots and being heroes. I think that that's something that kind of gets lost in all of the stuff that Barry and the team have gone through and all of the agony that they've gone through in the last few seasons anyway. It seems like everything's been really, really serious. And to get back down to this, I thought was really, really neat. The only thing I didn't like, one of the things I didn't like anyway about this episode was Thawne's excuse for why he's been terrorizing Barry, I thought was kind of weak. Like, so because he stole your thunder, you were going to be a hero and he stole your thunder or your lightning. I mean, technically you want to use a flash pun. We can do that. Then that that's really, that's why you've been doing this this entire time. That doesn't make any sense. At least it didn't to me. I don't understand why that was the be all end all. I mean, I get it. You're, you've got embarrassed. You're pissed about that granted you should be mad mad enough to try and kill someone's entire family no absolutely not that just seems stupid and silly to me so for such a high level villain to have such a weak excuse i thought was was really really weird that they went ahead and and went that route but i did like see see because now it seems like they're setting thawne up for something even more sinister and it doesn't look like he's necessarily going away so again spoilers here when they take away his speed and you see that visceral, angry reaction. Tom Cavanaugh did a great job in that scene of, he said, you took away my life. You took away my speed. My speed was my life. You took away my life, I think was the line that he had. And you see just how much that affected him. And to me, that's a better reason, right? Something like that's a better reason to turn into a supervillain style, obviously, you know. Hard to be a supervillain with a speed at this point. But Despero makes a good point, ironically enough, and we'll get to him in a second, saying, hey, he's gotten his powers back before. Who's to say he won't get them back again? And what this does to Thawne, and in the future, by the way, how that affects what happens from with Nora and everything else, and, and that's something that we see at the end, and I'll get to that in a second as well. But it, it's almost like they should have skipped right over the whole part where they go, you know, why do you hate me so much kind of thing? You know, why should I save you? Why have you terrorized me so much? If they just skipped over that, this would have almost been a perfect episode. But then you bring Despero into the mix. And, and again, he's like, yeah, you didn't, you're not the one that's going to destroy the world Flash. But if you don't let Thawne die, if you don't let Reverse Flash die, then he will. So I'm still going to try and kill you sort of thing. So it's like, man, you can't win with this dude. So Despero's just, and then Barry kind of, you know, reveals him for the the true villain that he really is, or at least everybody knows him as. Obviously, he doesn't feel that way. Despero doesn't. But I thought that their fight and how he defeats Despero at the end, I thought was really, really neat. I thought that that was a nice little visual effect and kind of a redemption moment for Barry, right? That was like his rocky moment. You know, he got his ass handed to him the last time that they fought. This time... Barry obviously gets the upper hand on him in a very cool moment where he kind of crashes down on him. That was really neat. And, of course, Chester, you know, rigs something up to help him defeat Despero ultimately and to take away Thawne's speed too, by the way. So Chester, a big part of this episode too. So I, I thought that was a really cool moment. And I don't think we're done with Despero either. And I don't really hate that because I actually thought that Despero had a, had a good amount of depth to him. And he had a lot of different facets to his character and, and the, the villain that he was. So to see him maybe come back, maybe with a little bit of a different arsenal, I think would be really, really neat later on in the season. But to, to get to see Mia Queen back, that was really, really neat, too. I liked having her back. Did I Do I think she played a huge role in the episode? 
Not really. They kind of backwards, kind of half tried to give closure to the whole Green Arrow and the Canaries thing. I'm still not sure that they did that. I think the doors kind of propped open for that. I think that they were kind of reminding people that she existed. Like, hey, hi. By the way, Mia Queen still exists. And we could still do this thing if you guys are cool with that. So that that was part of that, too. I, I don't know if that'll ever get off the ground. I don't know if it should get off the ground either, by the way. But, you know, that that remains to be seen. But I think the bottom line is, is that was it a successful crossover? Yes. Overall, I thought it was a great crossover. I'm calling it a crossover. They can call it whatever they want. I thought it was very successful. Do I think that this finale was like this big deal, huge revelation? Not necessarily. I think it was a great way to reset things and bring the team back together, sure. But is this something we're going to remember years from now, like we remember Crisis? Probably not. You know, I, it was cool to see these characters get to interact with each other again in a setting where the shows are crossing over a little bit, or at least some characters are coming over from one show into another. That was neat. And, and introducing, reintroducing Eobard Thawne and, and what that means for what we see at the end with, you see Bart and Nora pop up in a, in a CCPD photo. I thought that that's a very interesting twist that I'm sure we'll get into for the rest of this season and where that goes. And you kind of see that in the preview for the rest of the season that they show after that as well. But I thought, you know, a lot of great stuff happening on this episode of The Flash, and I can't wait to see what happens for the rest of the season. Overall, Armageddon, I think, was a success. That's going to do it for my spoiler-filled review of The Flash, Armageddon Part 5, the final part. Up next, is there some interesting nerd news to talk about? We'll find out. That's coming up next. I'm James Witham, and this is the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Hey, this is Dee Bazoos from Gotham, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. The CW doubles down on Gotham City. It's time for nerd news. And I was actually very interested to find out when the rap reported that a Gotham Knights series was going to be coming to the CW and the Arrowverse. And then you dive into it a little bit more and you're thinking, eh, it's not necessarily what you think it is. You know, it doesn't maybe we're not looking at Nightwing and and Batgirl, or any sort of Robin. Let's see what we are looking at. And by the way, this is not a Batwoman spinoff, which is just because the creative team is from Batwoman doesn't mean it's a Batwoman spinoff. But I'll get to that in a second. The logline actually reads, in the wake of Bruce Wayne's murder, his rebellious adopted son, that's a key thing to say, adopted son, forges an unlikely alliance with the children of Batman's enemies when they are all framed for for killing the Cape Crusader. And as the city's most wanted criminals, this renegade band of misfits must fight to clear their names. But in a Gotham with no Dark Knight to protect it, the city descends into the most, da- most dangerous it's ever been. However, hope comes from the unexpected of pl- most unexpected of places as this team of mismatched fugitives, fugitives will become its next generation of saviors known as the Gotham Knights. Now, again... Here's your creative team. You've got Chad Fivish and James Stottero, who will write and executive produce a series with Natalie Abrams, who is a writer and co-executive producer. This, of course, coming from Berlanti and Company and Warner Brothers Television Studios. Now, yes, this team does work on Batwoman. Maybe you like Batwoman, maybe you don't. That doesn't mean that this series is going to be just like Batwoman. Just going to keep that in mind. And you know what? Maybe... Doing something a little bit different makes this show a little bit more interesting as well. You know, we don't really know a ton about the children 
of Batman's villains, right? Maybe we get introduced to something a little bit fun and different. Yes, I know that once they follow canon, it's very enjoyable in the Arrowverse, but it's also very interesting when they veer off that beaten path a little bit, right? And start telling their own stories. Now, the danger in that is you better write it well, you better present it well, and it better look good because sometimes the costumes make all the difference. Sometimes the design makes all the difference. And we've seen that in Arrowverse series before. The Flash is a perfect example. Getting the designs of their villains right is very, very important in how things are presented. So how this series is presented is almost just as important as who's in it. Now, again, does that mean that Nightwing won't be in it? Does that mean that Batgirl won't be in it? I mean, doubtful for Batgirl, because let's face it, Batgirl's got a lot going on on the screen right now. I can't rule out Nightwing. I can't rule out Damien. I can't rule out Tim Drake and and names like that. But it's all a matter of, you know, who's going to be in movies and who's not and things like that. So there is a little bit of a tangled web here. So I'm curious to see exactly. And there's a reason they didn't announce who was going to be in this right away, right? There's a reason for that. And now they created the character of Ryan Wilder from nothing on Batwoman. Let's see if they create a character as well for this series and just completely go on their own. And and would that be the worst thing in the world? Maybe, maybe not. But it's something that you, it's one of those things you got to at least give it a chance, right? You got to at least find out who's going to be in the series. And then you got to finally at least see first looks and trailers and things like that. You can't judge something on a surface based on just a very cryptic synopsis. It just gives you an idea of what the show's about, and then you kind of go from there. Plus, the, it's you got to admit the concept is interesting. The concept is pretty cool. So I would pump the brakes a little bit on you know whining and moaning about this until you actually know what's going on. Here's a couple of trailers that I wanted to talk about this week. Of course, Fantastic Beasts, the third installment of that, and it's the secrets of Dumbledore that we're talking about. This is going to be coming on April the 15th of 2022 and I just love the fact that Jacob gets a wand I really love that and I don't know why maybe I feel like he's earned it maybe I feel like you know you know hijinks could ensue I don't know why I love that but I really really do but what we do see is you see the team that's going to take on Grindelwald eventually right and and I love the fact that they kind of poke fun at that team, it's like, yeah, what could possibly go wrong? We got a muggle on our team. We got a teacher. What could possibly go wrong, right? And you kind of underestimate how powerful Grindelwald is, right? And then you see that on display a little bit in this trailer. And I also, I also love how like Dumbledore is kind of presented as like this gumshoe detective magician type thing, like the the whole you know the hat and all that stuff. But I mean, that's classic Jude Law. So I get that. But And then you've got Newt Scamander, who's kind of like the awkward one that, you know, d- does he fit into this group? Does he not? But he's certainly becoming more powerful in his own right, too. But there's just, there's something about this that just, it, the, and from the beginning with these Fantastic Beast movies, as somebody that who, in myself, who hasn't been a huge fan of Harry Potter over the years, I find myself drawn to these Fantastic Beast movies for some reason because they really, really intrigue me. And I think seeing the early workings of Dumbledore and finding out how, how powerful he was in the beginning as well, I think that's a really interesting 
avenue to explore. And we kind of scratched the surface of that a little bit, but you could see it even more. He's very much got that Obi-Wan Kenobi vibe to him, like a young Obi-Wan in this trailer. And I really, really love that. And I think you'll see some of these other characters coming to their own as well. And then Mads Mikkelsen as Grindelwald, you get to see that for the first time in this trailer. That doesn't miss a beat for me as far as I'm concerned. Matter of fact, might even be a little bit better of a choice for Grindelwald. But again, it's one of those things, you, again, you can't know. You have to kind of wait and see on that and see where it goes. But but again, this is another one that I'm really, really looking forward to. April 15th of 2022 from Warner Brothers Pictures. That is when you can see Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore. Servant is coming back for a third season on Apple TV+. Plus. That is going to be happening on January the 21st, so not too long from now. Looking at the Season 3 trailer for this, basically this is when we're going to find out what really happened with Jericho. We, we see that in the trailer when Leanne says to Sean, God didn't bring back Jericho, and he says, who did? That's kind of at the end of the trailer. And it's like, okay, so we're finally going to get that answer. We think we know, but we're not like 100%. Sure. And you also get to see, you know, for a second there, it looks like, okay, the family's coming together. Everything's going to be peachy, right? Nah, not so much. There's clearly some creepies that are out there from, it looks like from the cult. They're going to come grab Leanne at any second. Or is Leanne, there's clearly still more to her too that we don't know about. I mean, we're kind of unraveling it a little bit, but not completely. And Julian certainly at the center stage of that. And then you see things get a little bit testy between Leanne and Dorothy. And if that tension starts to mount up, I, I've been scared to death of Leanne from the beginning, and Nell Tigerfree does such a fantastic job playing that character. And, and I love when Julian says, you might not want to mess with her. You might want to keep her happy. And Dorothy has no idea what's going on. And that's just kind of the gist of Dorothy's character from the beginning. And then you start to see creepy stuff start to happen, and you bugs flying everywhere, things just kind of you know rotting away, and it's like, okay... Things are really going to get real and real creepy really quickly in this season. And Rupert Grant, can we get this guy some sort of a nomination of some kind, like an Emmy or something? Doesn't he deserve it at this point? I mean, I think that Toby Kebbell has done a very good job as well. But, I mean, let's get Rupert Grant some gratification here because he's been superior in this series from the beginning. So I'm very curious to see how this mystery unfolds when season three of Servant starts back up on Apple TV Plus on January the 21st. This was only a matter of time for me. And that is a Zorro series is coming back, and this time to Disney-branded television. The Hollywood Reporter was first reported that Wilder Valderrama is going to be starring in a new live-action Zorro TV series from Disney-branded TV. Now it's going to be executive produced by Gary Marsh, who, of course, you know, he's overseen stuff like High School Musical, Lizzie McGuire, The Descendants. And I know you're thinking, like, whoa, this is a Zorro series. What? Maybe should I be nervous here? John Gertz, by the way, is going to be part of this, too, as an executive producer from Zorro Productions. So there's somebody from Zorro in the mix there. And if you thought you were nervous about that list, here's the thing. Apparently, they're going to set this as a modern telenovela. And hold on, don't don't go crazy yet. It's going to be set in Los Angeles. They say it's a very modern telenovela style with the contemporary characters. And I'm paraphrasing there. But here's the thing. 
Okay, you could go crazy. You could be like, oh, where's the Antonio Banderas movie with him in the mentor role? That's what we really deserve, blah, blah, blah. Here's the thing, okay? We've seen that before, and that's great. Why not do this? I know, I know I sound crazy because I'm not even sure I believe the words coming out of my mouth myself, okay? I get it. Is this the Zorro series that I'd really want to see? Not necessarily, but A, I'm willing to give it a chance, and B, why not try something different? Because what we're seeing from the box office and on TV is that, quite frankly, same old, same old does not fly anymore. It really doesn't. We don't want to see, we we act like we want to see the same old thing over and over and over again, but then you get the box office numbers. And you get the ratings, and it turns out not so much. We don't want to see the same, unless it's a reality show, apparently. America wants to see reality, the same reality show a thousand times. But when it comes to scripted television, we can't stomach things, seeing things too much. You get 30 seasons of Dancing with the Stars and Survivor, but then you get the same concept on TV more than a couple times, and it's like, yeah, I'm over that. Let's not do that anymore. But, but again, let's put that to the side for a second. Doing this as a modern telenovela-style could actually work as long as you're putting the right pieces together. Wilder Valderrama is certainly talented enough to pull off this Zorro role, especially a modern-day Zorro role, right? right? I think that that's another thing that we're not understanding, is that if you're going to do this, if you cast it correctly, this is something that can absolutely 100% Work And you've seen him, you know, obviously, throughout his career in some over-the-top roles like you saw him on that 70s show. You've seen him take that on. But then you've also seen him on stuff like NCIS as well. So you've kind of seen him play different roles over the years, right? And he was just in Encanto as well. Of course, that was animated. But, but, but you get my point, is that he's not just a one-trick pony. And that's one thing that I think can really, really work in his favor. And again, is could this be the worst thing ever? Yeah, sure it could because it just might not work. It might not even make it to series, right? It certainly hasn't gotten an episode order yet. This is just something that they're going to throw out there and see what happens. You, you know, you kind of make a pilot and you see where it goes. So maybe this works out, maybe it doesn't. But if it does, and reimagining the character like this, why not try that first? You can always go back and do that movie where you've got like an Antonio Banderas in the mentor role. You pick a young actor or actress to pick up the slack there. And I, I've been a proponent for a female Zorro for a while now. You go back several podcasts ago and I was actually clamoring for that, by the way. But you could still do this and make it successful, I think. But, but again, you're, you're walking a really fine line here. So just be careful what you wish for. But I I do like that we're getting Zorro back, and I do like that they're going to try and be creative and do something different with it. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Again, thanks to the cast and creator of Would Love from Prime Video. Make sure you're streaming that right now on Prime Video. Make sure you find out what's going on with us, too, at downandnerdypodcast.com. Also, follow us on social media at downandnerdy757 on Twitter and on Instagram and at downandnerdypodcast.com. On Facebook. Remember, you never have to apologize for being a nerd to let your fan flag fly 
Be good to your fellow nerds, and for the love of God, get that Christmas shopping done. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The Shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts.